0: this is an incredible deal. You don't want to miss it. Go ahead and sign up at com slash join. Creativity is something which
1: belongs to all of us. Mm. And working on our creativity is exercising the birthright.
0: If you're a person who's looking to have more purpose in your life, if you're saying to yourself, I don't want to just go to work. I want to do my life's work. This is the show. This is the show. Don't keep your day job. How do you figure out how to take your passion and turn it into a profit? This episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job is brought to you by Blue Apron. When it comes to dinner, let Blue Apron take care of the planning and shopping while you do the cooking and the eating. Blue Apron is treating my listeners to their first three meals free if you visit blueapron.com slash dreamjob. So check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free at blueapron.com slash dreamjob. Thanks to Weebly for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Weebly is more than a beautiful website builder. It's an all-in-one platform for artists and entrepreneurs who want to sell their products, build their brand, and create successful online businesses. Go to weebly.com slash dreamjob to get 15% off your first purchase. Thanks to Skillshare for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Skillshare is offering Don't Keep Your Day Job listeners a limited time offer of two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash dreamjob. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash dreamjob to get two months of unlimited access of over 20,000 classes for just 99 cents. Thanks to Slack for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Slack is a collaboration hub for work that makes sure the right people in your team are always in the loop and that key information is always at their fingertips. Learn more at slack.com. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I hope you guys are having an awesome week. Thank you so much for all your comments and your posts last week on my birthday. I felt so full. I felt so just like content having this experience of getting to know all of you this past year and having you all in my life. It really makes me feel so, so good. And I just want to say... I think that the one message that I want to get across to each and every one of you as you listen to this is that you are awesome just the way you are and you don't need to do anything sensational to be worthy of being loved. I feel like if you just give yourself permission to just be where you are and show up and do what you're doing, people are going to be so touched and enjoy whatever it is you have to offer and you're going to be led you're going to be led to where you can make the biggest contribution with your talents and your gifts. So, just know that you're awesome just the way you are. So, today we're doing something a little different. Um I have the absolute fortune of interviewing one of the most influential people on my career path. Her name is Julia Cameron and she is amazing. She wrote a book called The Artist's Way which I I did twice and I say I did it because the book is a series of what you do over 12 weeks and she gives you assignments and she helps you really unleash this creative force within you. She's written a ton of other stuff as well, like plays, short stories, movies, screenplays, but this really probably is her seminal work, The Artist's Way. And if you heard our episode with Jenna Fisher, from The Office, uh, you might remember that this book was something that inspired her to write and direct her own mockumentary film, which came right before the opportunity that she got to audition for The Office. The book is really life-changing, and many of you may have already read it, and some of you might choose to read it now, and I think that you will be so grateful that you did. I'm certain that this book has not only inspired me, but many, many of the successful people today, filmmakers, actors, musicians, writers, artists of all kinds, truly getting in touch with their creative spirit. It and getting disciplined to make time to be creative so I love this book and we are going to talk about it today. Um, it was really really delightful to talk to her and that was the best part but she lives in New Mexico and she didn't have um, she didn't have Wi-Fi and she wasn't able to sort of hook up with us the way that we typically interview guests so we recorded her over the phone and the audio was not so awesome. Um, What she says is riveting and incredible, but the audio quality wasn't so great and we knew it was really just too important to keep what she said from you. So we decided to salvage as much of the audio as we could. So you're going to hear some clips from her today, but then I'll do my best to sort of give you the key points that she shared and my own reflections on the big lessons that she had to To share with us. And I think that they're so, so good that you're going to love it. We also have the entire conversation available, my recording with her over the phone. So if you really want to hear that, there's going to be a link in the show notes for you guys to be able to go ahead and grab the entire interview. But before we jump into this, let's just say a quick thanks to one of our sponsors. This episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job is brought to you by Blue Apron, a better way to cook. I love Blue Apron because it makes my life so much easier. I'm working, I'm like juggling a bunch of projects and then I have these three cute little girls and I want to make sure that they're eating healthy. Recently, we had feta tomato pizza, really great stuff. And guess what? Blue Apron is teaming up with best-selling cookbook author Chrissy Teigen to bring you some of her favorite recipes to make at home. I actually just saw Chrissy Teigen and John Legend at a park in Malibu and I was like, oh my God, there they are, real human beings at the park with their kid. So anyway, get ready for six weeks of wildly fun, flavorful cooking featuring recipes like garlic and soy glazed shrimp with charred broccoli and hot green pepper sauce and sesame chicken noodles with bok choy. Did I mention you don't have to step foot in the grocery store because you don't. So check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free at blueapron.com slash dream That's blueapron.com slash dream job to get your first three meals free. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Okay. Now, let's dive into my conversation with the remarkable Julia Cameron. So, to start off, Julia shared the beginning of her writing career. She started writing full-time at 18. She was doing short stories and movies, but something didn't feel right. Here's a clip from her.
1: I found myself feeling inspired and discouraged.
2: Mm.
1: When I was in Hollywood, I had movies bought, but then not made.
2: Right.
1: And people would say to me, but you're getting paid. Right. Uh, as if money were the end all. Right. And I found myself thinking, there has to be a way for creativity to be understood differently.
0: Yeah. And
1: I had, you might say, a temper, and uh, I wanted to write a manifesto, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to write something. That would make people think twice before they abused an artist.
0: She added that she wrote this book for a man that she loved who was a brilliant writer, and he wasn't able to recognize his own brilliance. And she really wanted him to recognize this inside of himself, and so she wrote this book. And then somehow, this little book turned into a phenomenal movement. And I asked her, well, how did that happen? And here's what she said about why she thought that had happened that way.
1: What I found was that people... Used the book, and then they passed it on. Uh, and I once heard a statistic, and I had no way of knowing if this is true or not. But it was, if you buy the this way once, you would give it to seven other friends. Wow. And what I found was it was word of mouth. They didn't advertise it at all.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And so it made its way. I would say the first 100,000 books were all word of mouth. Wow. So now I sometimes get asked, Julia, how do you feel about the impact that the book has had? And what I realized is that many of us were sort of starving for spiritual food. Oh, yeah. And I think that this
0: book feeds the spirit of those who read it. Yes, it does. So we dive into the book, and she starts it out by talking about spiritual electricity, which I love that phrase. And she says... It's a pure form of creativity, and she said that she had been praying for guidance while writing the book because she wanted to write truthfully, and she was also trying to get sober. She found herself writing things very grounded in spirituality because she started feeling safety from a higher power, which I think is fascinating, this idea that... Creativity within you, maybe, is coming from some much bigger, infinite source, and that you have the ability to tap into that when you free yourself of all these self conscious critics that are circling around in your mind. And you just allow yourself to pour out what's in there. That maybe something truly magnificent is really in there, and that we have a direct channel to that all the time. One thing I really wanted to talk about, one of the most essential practices from the book is morning pages. And in the book, she talks about a few things that she wants artists to do as a discipline, as a routine. Morning pages are super cool. I've done them in my own life. You know, even last week when Matthew Del Negro was here, he was talking about how he had a journal and he was going through a breakup and he was journaling and journaling. And as he was journaling, he noticed that he kept writing about wanting to be an actor. And so the morning pages are a similar idea where Julia says every single day you should take out three pieces of paper and write front and back of three pieces of paper. And she says, just keep your hand moving. Even if you're writing, I don't know what to write right now. Just keep going because you'll spill out stuff that's in your mind. And then what starts to happen is over a period of four days or nine days or six weeks, you start to notice things that you didn't even realize you were thinking or parts of yourself that start to come out and you can start to address things and explore things and discover things about yourself. So this was her explanation of how the morning pages work.
1: Morning pages are three pages of longhand morning writing done first thing. And it's basically a record of your consciousness. You wake up and you write, I'm awake! <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a good place to start.
1: You go forward. And what I found was that writing three pages was just about a perfect amount. That the first page and a half would be pretty easy. Uh, I'm awake, I'm I'm grumpy, I forgot to call my sister back. Yep. And then you'd reach a sort of sticking point at the halfway mark. Mm -hmm. And you think, I have nothing left to say. I have nothing left to say. But if you keep writing and you write, I have nothing left to say, eventually it provokes you into saying something. Yeah. So the morning pages were three pages of longhand morning writing. And I felt it was important that they be done longhand because what happens uh, a lot of us now want to write on the computer. Right. They say, Julia, I'm so much faster. And I say, but fast is not the point. The point is depth and authenticity. So when uh, you write on the computer, it's as if you're in the car going 85 miles an hour on the freeway. You go, oh, my God, was that my excerpt?
2: Right, right.
1: When you write longhand. It's as though you're going 35 miles an hour, and it's like, oh, here comes my action. My goodness, there's a convenience store. Yeah. So it gives you a much more accurate grounding in what you would call your position. And what you're doing is you're sending. You're notifying the higher power that you may not believe in. So one thing that happens with morning pages is that I think that as taking a little whisk broom and poking it into all the corners of your life and whisking it into the center where you can look at it. So I think morning pages are actually a very valid form of prayer and meditation. Mm. And what happens when you use them is that you start to come in contact. Uh, with a greater power, uh, and as the pages go on, they may lead you in an unfamiliar direction. Yep. And I think of them as training you to take risks.
0: So Julia gives us an example of how these morning pages can lead you to taking risks. And one morning you write, I will write radiant songs. And at first your negative voice says, are you kidding? You're not a musician. But then you write it the next day. And the voice says, well, if I were musically talented, I would do blah, 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 blah. And you keep elevating and eventually, this positive thinking just, just starts to come out. It's time to write that Radiant song and you start writing that out and you're like, wow, maybe it really is time. I mean, in my own experience, I remember when I did The artist Way, I was wearing pantsuits, working at a real estate job. I had been dropped from a record label a year and a half prior to that and I had decided if I'm going to have to have a job, I may as well just do something that makes money and I was unhappy. Even though I was good at the job, I was miserable. I didn't feel like I was in alignment with myself at all. In fact, my husband tells me that looking back, we were next door neighbors at the time. And he says, oh, I never thought of dating you then because I didn't relate to you. You were like some girl who drove you know, a sports car and you wore pantsuits and you didn't even sound like yourself. You sounded like a timeshare salesman. Like I knew I was not in alignment with myself. And a group of friends and I decided to do the artist way together. And we would read a chapter and then meet up every week and discuss it and talk about what we did and how it was affecting us. And as I kept doing those morning pages, I kept realizing that I would write about how I wanted to be writing music and how I really wanted to do more creative stuff. And so I realized I couldn't ignore that after a while. And I wound up quitting my job and I wound up getting rid of those pantsuits and I wound up going back to this like authentic self. And it really was the beginning of me starting, you know, what became the most successful, you know, chapter and taking those risks Something that ties into this is the enemy within. We all have an inner critic that tells us it's not good enough and you have to fight back through these affirmations that are so positive and it puts this inner critic into a fury. You write something so positive and at first it gives you a sense of security and safety, but then it like forces out these negative alerts. And so Julia talks about how by allowing your hand to continue writing and by doing it every single day, you push past some of those initial negative thoughts like, What? You just said you want to do what? You'll never be good at it. And you just keep writing. And that true, authentic voice, that whisper grows louder and louder. Another thing we talked about from the book is this idea of crazy makers. And here's her explanation about what that is. A
1: crazy maker is somebody who is negative to your creativity and creates drama. So the crazy maker does things like You have a deadline and suddenly the crazy maker needs something desperately from you. You have a deadline and the crazy maker says, but I have a deadline. And they try and preempt you. So crazy makers are people who cause you to derail from your creative path. Many times crazy makers are people who are officially on our side, except that that isn't how it plays out. Right. Uh, there's an exercise in the back of the artist's way called Blasting Through Blocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it asks you to take a look at each creative risk and ask yourself what fears and what resentments and what angers are between you and accomplishing this risk. So, what you may find is, if you're a writer, you'll find something like, it'll be good, but no one will know it. Right. It'll be bad, but I won't know it. And so, I don't think I'll finish this book because I don't want to be criticized. Right. So, as you write out the blocks, I ask you to read it to someone who's empathetic. Uh, and this is what I call a believing mirror. And a believing mirror is the opposite of a crazy maker. Yeah. A believing mirror is someone who, when you share what you think you want to do, they say, I bet you can do that, too. Yeah. We are positive, affirmative, and uh, inventive. And I ask everybody, you know, name of believing mirror, and sometimes people don't even have one. Wow. And, you say, oh, surely you have someone who believes in you. And then they'll say, well, I had a teacher who believed in me. And I say, okay, so that's your believing mirror. Imagine what that teacher would say to you about what you're trying to do. I think that it's very important to name accurately the people who are your believing mirrors.
0: One question I had was, why do we put up with crazy makers? And she said, it's much less frightening to be involved with a crazy maker than to take the risk of authentic creativity. We use those people as a way to keep from taking authentic risks. Instead, we buy into their drama. And I feel like everybody has had crazy makers in their life, whether it was a parent, somebody in your life who tells you, you can't do this and you'll never do this. And truthfully, as I look back in my life, I definitely had my share of those people. And I feel like All of that only made me stronger because there is nothing that fuels me more than when someone now tells me like, oh, you can't do that. I'm like, oh, yeah, watch me. But I feel like it's true. Sometimes we buy into this conversation and we give this person this credence by even having this debate because it keeps us. From actually having to take the risk. And sometimes we'll just say, oh, you know, I could never do that because my mom didn't believe in me or so and so said that wasn't what they wanted. So I have friends who've told me, you know, I didn't major in theater. I wound up majoring in science because my mother told me that, you know, being an artist was not practical. And then that person, you know, might be blaming their parents for the rest of their life for what they did or didn't do when really, we've got to take responsibility and just realize it is scary to take risks. And it's much more convenient to have an excuse and put it on somebody else. But really, ultimately, we're probably just scared because it is uncomfortable. And we have to be willing to make mediocre things when we hold ourselves to the standard of like, if well, if I'm going to write music, it better be amazing. Or if I'm going to write a screenplay, I can't handle the fact that it might not be great at first. But that's not fair because anyone who you look up to, they didn't you know, start out like Mozart, but they had the courage. They had the courage to wade through the mediocrity until they could get better and better and give themselves that grace and the patience to show up and put in the time. And this is one of the reasons I love The Artist Way because it gets you in a habit of being creative. And so as you continue to show up, you keep showing up and brilliant things will start to come out. And it is truly, truly awesome. All right. So before we keep going, let's take a quick ad break. Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 20,000 classes in business, marketing, entrepreneurship, technology, and more. Whether you're trying to deepen your professional skill set, start a side hustle, or build your own business, Skillshare will keep you learning in 2018 and beyond. I love Skillshare. I recently just took a class in watercolor painting. It was just fun. Like I love being able to just like stop and learn something new. They have lots of other cool classes on there like blogging, business analytics, music theory, you name it, they've got it. So whether you're trying to deepen your professional skill set or start a side hustle or you just want to explore a new passion, Skillshare is there to keep you learning and thriving. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for my listeners. You can get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's right. Skillshare is offering don't keep your day job listeners two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes for just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash dream job. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash dream job to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash dream job. The next topic that we talked about was how to deal with criticism, and how do you deal with these feelings of inadequacy? And she shared her story about finding humor to overcome the criticism.
1: I wrote a crime novel called The Dark Room, and it got 19 good reviews, but it got one bad review, and that was in the New York Times. Oh, my God. So it killed the book Dead in the Water. I was just demolished. It was very shaming. Uh, and that's when I discovered that if you can find some humor, then you are able to overcome criticism. So I wrote this little poem goes out to Bill Kent, that was the reviewer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Must feel terrible the way that he spent his time reviewing Carl Young. He hated Carl Young.
0: Right.
1: He made a review of Carl Young.
0: He missed it. Yeah, he missed the whole movie. And so there she was talking about how she had gotten 19 good reviews and one bad review from the New York Times. And of course, that's all that she could focus on. And her humor allowed her to realize, you know, I'm more powerful than my critic. I feel like we just like, you know, Bill Burr always says like people take one hit to the jaw and they're out of the game. And he's like, it took me 27 years to be successful at stand-up comedy. And I feel like our egos get so badly bruised, but you're so much bigger than this short story you wrote or this song that you wrote or this piece of pottery you made. You're so much more than that. So I think we should really know that. Like we are these much bigger, multifaceted, multidimensional souls we don't have to be so devastated because one little piece of us and one little piece of something we made is not, you know, the most brilliant thing in the world. I think that we should give ourselves the the grace to just keep at it like you would with your kids. You know, one thing you can do is like get a picture of yourself when you were like four or seven And put it next to yourself when you're working. And as soon as you have these like critical thoughts come up, look over at this photo of you when you were a child and think to yourself, like, is this what you want to do to this kid? Like, would you do this? Would you say this to this child? Because it's not fair. Instead, no. If you had this child next to you and they were painting or they were drawing or they were writing, you would encourage them and you would say to them, it's okay if it's not perfect. Keep going because that's where you're going to start to push past. And on the other side of that stuff, brilliant things are going to come to life. Something I wanted to know was how can artists find the courage to step into their truth and show up when things align? So first she said, use morning pages. This trains your sensor to just accept work that you're doing instead of striving for perfection. And you're taking authentic risks, telling your sensor that you're more powerful. And then you move into the second tool, which she calls the artist date. And here's her explanation about that.
1: So the first tool is three pages of longhand morning writing, and that's a tool that. Work. It takes about 45 minutes it work. And people will say, I'll do it. Because we understand the concept of working on our creativity. But then if I say, now what I want you to do is play for an hour each week. This is where our skeptic rears its head and says, play? What does that have to do with anything?
0: Right, right, exactly.
1: We don't realize that it's a literal phrase, a play of ideas. So as you start to do artist escapes, your skeptic will speak up, but you'll be having fun. Right. You'll be listening to your skeptic with a sense of empowerment. Mm-hmm. You start to get insights, hunches, intuitions. It's as though uh would have turned the dial over to receive. If you think of it as building a radio kit. Yeah. With, with morning pages you're sending, with out states you're receiving. Mm. And then the third rule, which I didn't realize was so important when I wrote The Artist's Way, I got to 12 and then I said, P.S. Exercise. And now I know when I teach, I assign walks and uh, I usually assign two 20 20-minute walks a week. Uh, and what that does is that when you walk, you start to integrate the information from the other two tools. Mm-hmm. So it gives you a sense of well-being. Yeah. You move out of feeling like you're in a strange place in a strange world that's hostile. Instead, you start to feel, oh, it's sort of beautiful, isn't it?
0: Yeah. And artist dates are so important. I talk to people all the time and they say, How did you know you wanted to be a podcaster? How did you know you would be so happy doing, you know, songwriting? I'm like, I I didn't you know, I didn't know, you know, you have to try things. And so people say, well, how can you get inspired to even know what you want to do? And I know that can be so frustrating when you feel like, I don't know, I like photography, but I also like gymnastics and I also like hand lettering. And there's so many things I might want to do, or I might want to teach, or I might want to go, you know, traveling. And you're like, what do I do? I think this is where the artist date is super helpful. Like how often do you press pause in order to carve out time just to evoke your your authentic self just to feel things just to raise the stakes emotionally and allow yourself to be inspired so you can take yourself to a museum you can take yourself to the beach you can take yourself to go to an art supply store and buy some sidewalk chalk or buy some acrylics and just give yourself the space to play and explore and then you can see like what do you like what does feel good what what things start to percolate and come to life We talked about this misconception that as artists, we have to leave our current lives in order to pursue our dreams. And I love this. And I think this relates so much to our show. Here's what she said about that.
1: Every day, we have what I call choice points. These are places where you can make a decision to be fearful or faithful.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And what I have found uh, is that when you do morning pages, uh, they make suggestions. You might want to try this. And as I said before, your skeptic objects. But the pages are patient uh, and they keep looking at you. Uh, and one of the exercises that I have people do is to write out five imaginary lines.
0: Hmm, interesting.
1: And then I say to them, now I want you to write one tiny action next to each life that you can take in the life you've actually got so I train people to think small to do the next right thing Um, because you know one of the things I found was uh, let's say you want to write a movie you think oh my god I'll have to move to California and we say no to write a movie you write one page at a time exactly where you are So people need to learn to take an action that fits into the life they've got.
0: And so I think this is really important. We need to take the action that fits into the life we already have. And I feel like so many people will use this as an excuse. You know, I can't be creative because I'm a mom. I can't be creative because I already have a job. No, we need to make time for this. And if we're really being honest, I mean, how much time are we spending scrolling through Instagram or watching Netflix or binge watching something? We do have the time, but we need to make the time and realize that even little bits can actually go a long way. And I'm telling you, you actually might be surprised like what starts to snowball if you spent Two hours a week making time to be creative. If you just start taking an art class one day after work, or you start to join a book club, you know, or whatever it is, but you just start to make time to do things that you feel nourish your creativity and nourish your soul. Towards the end of The Artist Way, she talks about recovering a sense of faith. And creativity, she says, requires faith. Faith requires us to relinquish control. So, how can we learn to trust and surrender and take that step in the dark? So Julie explained that the morning pages tell you to try trusting. They start reinforcing that spiritual muscle. You start to feel safer. You start to feel protected. You start to feel guided. And you discover a sense of that fleeting optimism. And this makes you edge forward slightly. And you realize you are still safe. And this process builds that faith. And it really is something that I think every person who's ever done something, you know, really creative, whether you know you get up and you give a talk or you, you get up and you play the violin, like there's a part of you that feels like, I don't know, I don't even know if I was the person playing that instrument. Like I was being guided. like there's something inside of you when you let go that this incredible, this like energy, this force, that kind of takes over, and I think we have to trust that it's going to be there. Sometimes I get scared like, "Oh, I have to go give a talk or I got to re- go record an episode." But if I let go and I step out on faith and just get out of the way a little bit and stop holding on so tight, it's amazing what what shows up. And I think the more you do that, that optimism and that faith builds, that muscle builds and you trust it'll be there the next time. Sometimes when people say, "You know, can you write a song for something?" I'm quick to be like, "No, I don't think anything good's going to come out." But the more you let go and you trust and you see what's there, things do start to come. Not every time is it perfect, but it's amazing in the process what you discover. And sometimes it's much more brilliant than you anticipated it could be. And you feel like you're being guided by something bigger. So before we get into some more questions, let's say thanks to a couple more sponsors. Thanks to Weebly for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Weebly is the easiest way to create an incredible looking website. Its e-commerce platform has the tools you need to sell products, create marketing campaigns, tell your brand story, and more. And because Weebly's mission is to help turn people's great ideas into successful online businesses, they built an incredible support team. So no scripts, no robots, just a friendly human who can help you do what needs doing. So if you've got a product or idea you want to share with the world, check out Weebly. You can have your online store up and running in a matter of hours. And because you listen to this podcast, visit weebly.com dreamjob and get 50 15% off your first purchase. That's weebly.com slash dream job. Thanks to Slack for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Slack is a collaboration hub for work, whatever work you do. With Slack, the right people in your team are kept in the loop and the information they need is always at their fingertips. Teamwork on Slack happens in channels, letting you organize conversations and information around projects, offices, and teams. And because everything you need to work is in one place, it's faster and easier to get things done. With Slack, your team is better connected. Find out more at slack.com. I love using Slack. It organizes my team stuff with real-time messaging, video or voice calls, group file sharing. It's all in one easy to use app. It saves me time because I don't have to search through multiple emails. I can just go into that Slack channel and know that I'll find what I need. You can do drag and drop file sharing that works with all the apps you already use like Jira, Salesforce, Zendesk, and Google Drive. Plus tailor Slack to work with more than 1,000 apps. Slack, where work happens. Learn more at slack.com. That's slack.com. So my next question to her was, what if someone doesn't have the natural talent, right? What if this person is not a natural artist? Is it cruel to send them down some path if they're never going to be this super genius, creative person? And here's what she said about that.
1: I have people say to me, Julia, aren't you worried that you're empowering a lot of bad artists? And I say, actually, I find the opposite. Uh, I, I find more often that when I unblock someone, I find myself thinking, how could they have not known they were an artist? They're brilliant. And many people who work the artist way will come to me and say, I used your tools and now I do X. I had a man tell me I was a very unhappy, very successful lawyer, and I was miserable. And I did the artist's way, and now I'm a Broadway actor, and I'm very happy even when I don't get a part. Mm. So I think that what we're trying to do is divorce our creativity from the notion of perfectionism.
0: Yeah.
1: And we need to teach people to try creativity and to not judge it. I think what often happens is... We try to do something creative, and then we judge it against the masterwork. Right. Another artist. And we say, see, I'm terrible. I'm just not good enough. Right. And one of the things I found when I was teaching in Chicago in a film school, yeah, I said to my colleagues, let's show the students our early bad films. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And They were like, oh no. Right. They'll never respect us if they see the early bad film. Yeah. And I said, oh no, they will respect us more than we kept on trying. So I got a hold of some famous directors and said, could we see some early films? Uh, And they gladly shared their early films. And particularly, I'm thinking of one by George Lucas. Whoa who did Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, and you see his early film, and it's like, oh, George, why not try and count
0: <laughs> Do you think that every person has an artist in them? Well,
1: I think the success of The artist Way argues fully that creativity is something which belongs to all of us.
0: Mm. And
1: working on our creativity is exercising a birthright.
0: I thought it was really important that she said, you know, unboxing someone usually shows their brilliance and we have to stop comparing. And she, and, and I love how she talked about that story of showing the first films of great directors to students so that they can stop and realize, you know, stop comparing your behind the scenes messiness to other people's highlight reels. Because you, if you really go back and you look, and sometimes I tell people, like, go look at the first YouTube videos that Gary Vaynerchuk did. Like, go look at him sitting at a folding table with his, like, you know, sweater vest on and look look at how he started and it's important to do that because we all have to be willing to start and and Seth Godin said it when he was here he's like you have to be willing to tell mediocre stories until until you can tell better and better stories. So she was saying she thinks everybody has the capacity to be creative and she doesn't think it's cruel. She says that you know the more she works with people she realizes that People are naturally creative and they have so much that they can give. And the truth is when you look at children, you see that, you know, you don't usually walk into a classroom of four or five-year-olds and see a big chunk of those kids who don't want to finger paint or who don't have anything creative to share. They're usually all in it. But somewhere along the way, they buy into this notion that they needed to be perfect or they, they have to do it right or they have to do it like somebody else wants them to do it. And then they stop. They stop creating anything and they sit it out. And I don't want you guys to sit it out because I know you have so much good stuff in there. Julia also talked about how we can get rid of this notion of being a poor, starving artist. And I thought this would be a good exercise for all of us. So she has people write down, artists are, and then you fill in the blank. She said, usually people end up saying artists are broke. Artists are crazy. Artists are lonely. And there's all these like negative things people associate with being an artist. And then she makes them turn this into a positive affirmation. And people write things like, artists are loved. Artists have companionship. Artists are solvent people. Artists add things to the world. And it starts to turn that negative mythology into a positive story. And so I think we really have to look at this. Like, what is your story around doing that thing that you've always really wanted to do, but you never let yourself do? Is there a part of you that tells yourself, oh, my parents wouldn't approve? Or, oh, I'll look like the one who's like, you know, too much of a free spirit and people won't think I'm grounded or I'll starve or, Doing the thing I love means I'll be poor the rest of my life. It's either being practical and having some money or doing this thing I love and nothing, you know, nothing will come from it. What's the story behind it? Because Jen Sincero said the same thing like, your story is really a guiding principle, which then dictates so much of your life because. What you believe about something will determine how much action you take or what action you take. And so we need to change the story so that we can liberate ourselves and actually live the lives that we really want to live without having to realize that we've been trying to be beholden to certain stories so that we keep ourselves safe. And some of these stories are not true. A lot of her book is grounded in spirituality and finding a higher power So I wanted to know how people can tap into that higher self and make space for it. So here's what she said about that.
1: This is, I think, where the walking comes in. I feel like it's difficult to regard nature. And I feel that using morning pages brings people to a sense of their creator. And many times people feel a connection to a higher power for the first time when they do an artist date. They've been so used to bullying themselves that the idea that they should go out and spoil themselves creates a sort of grabbing sense of well-being.
0: Also, she talked about how she just started writing these like prayers. And one of them that I love, she shared with us, she said, little one, be willing to be a beginner. Do not demand perfection of your efforts. You are our creation. You are intended to practice creativity. All of your attempts please us. Extend to yourself, accept, encourage yourself as we encourage you. You are perfect in your imperfections. And to wrap up, I asked her, what's one big takeaway she wanted to leave you with? And this is what she had to say.
1: I just want to say, we are all creative. Try a few simple tools. And to believe in yourself and that you can take tiny steps uh, and they will lead you in the right direction. Yeah. So be generous because success is born in generosity.
0: I would love you all to try practicing some of this. Maybe you can start. And for the next week, just do some morning pages, carve out the time, set your alarm 20 minutes extra to wake up a little earlier in the morning and start writing three pages front and back every single day. And don't judge yourself, but just notice what comes out. Just notice what's in there. And maybe there's some self critiquing thoughts in there. You know, maybe you're going to say things that it's hard to write. I want you to write it. I want you to be able to step back and notice it. You know, the more that we look at these thoughts, the more we realize we are the thing inside of ourselves observing these thoughts. We're not the thoughts themselves. And so you separate yourself a little bit. You put a little bit of space between yourself, your true self and all these thoughts. And you realize you don't have to believe everything you think just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. And then there might be other things in there that you do know are true and that you don't always give a lot of time to, you know, and you might start writing things in morning pages and you might start to then feel scared. Like, that'll be a huge risk. You know, what if I do start working on that thing and I don't do it great or I put myself out there? And you know what? It does take courage. When I look at people who are successful, I don't think to myself, gosh, this person is just so gifted and brilliant. I think to myself, this person has a tremendous amount of courage because they were willing to continuously put themselves out there. And it wasn't always perfect. And the material they were creating wasn't always genius, but the more you have the trust and you can put yourself out there, the more you're going to allow for amazing things to happen. Remember when Wayne Fetterman was here, he talked about how Jerry Seinfeld puts an X through every day on the calendar because he works on his standup. He said every single day, every single day. And it shows in his act, he commits as opposed to saying, I'm going to work on my routine, you know, A week before I have to go up at this particular, you know, open mic, and then I'm going to beat myself up when whatever comes out is not brilliant. You know, no, he says, I'm going to make space for there to be lots of stuff that I don't wind up using, and I'm going to do it every single day and make it a habit. And I think if all of us could just be a little more gentle with ourselves and realize that creativity is one thing and editing is another thing. And if in if in the process of creativity, you weren't busy editing yourself, you just allowed yourself, just start writing your blog, create that podcast, you know, turn the mic on, just see what happens and, and know that you are enough. You are enough. You know, I remember hearing Glennon Doyle Melton when I went to Super Soul Sunday, I went to a taping of it. And she said that years ago, she was, um, she was drunk one night and she went onto Facebook and she saw all these people were posting like 25 things about themselves. And so most people were posting like, number one, I love hummingbirds. Number two, I love Nora Ephron movies, you know, all these things about themselves that were not so, you know, vulnerable. And so for some reason she felt really brave and she says, you know, she was a little drunk. And so she wrote 25 things about herself and they were more like, you know, I'm self-destructive. I drink too much you know, I'm I'm in a difficult relationship. Like she wrote all these really revealing things and she went to sleep and she woke up in the morning and she had like eight missed calls from her sister. And she looked on Facebook and there were hundreds of messages, comments, and people were sharing it. People were sharing it. And her sister said, how could you do this? Oh my God, I can't believe you put all this out there. And she said, all I know is that from now on, this is what I want to do. I just want to tell the truth. And what's amazing is how Your best friends don't hold you to the standard that you hold yourself to. They don't see the blemish. They don't see the five extra pounds. They don't see that you didn't have the best hair day. They just see a soul that they love. And you need to learn and I need to learn. We all need to learn to celebrate that within ourselves. And you know what it does? It gives other people permission to show up as they are. You know, I heard a friend say, wouldn't it be great if I could sit down to have a cup of tea in the morning and invite all the parts of myself to join me? you know and not be so ashamed of certain aspects of myself i think we need to realize like that truly is the most riveting thing when people say to me what makes a great podcast i'm like be authentic tell the truth you know i'm always working on this just today right before i went to record this episode i thought oh my gosh this is so embarrassing you know normally we have this great quality audio Now we don't have it. I'm going to have to do this where it's going to be a little hodgepodge. I'm going to be talking about what she said. Then we're going to, and I was like, you know what? This is a perfect example of that. I'm uncomfortable. I'm scared that listeners are going to listen and go, oh, this isn't a perfect episode. And it's different than what she's done before. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do the best that I can and be what I am. And you know what? Not everybody is going to like what you do all the time. Free yourself of needing to please everybody. That's also okay. Not everybody has to like everything you do all the time. But the thing is that every single one of us that's here is different than anyone else who ever was or ever will be. We all have something unique. We have different fingerprints. Why? What's the evolutionary reason for us to have different fingerprints? Couldn't we all have the same fingerprints? So, on the most simple level, we know it's letting us know we're not the same. We're not the same, which means the world gets to miss out on what you have to give if you don't go ahead and do it. And so I want you to push past all that stuff that tells you it's not going to work out or not going to be great at it. And look, you do have to be willing to stay in it. You know, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. But if you're ultimately in it because you want to discover the best way that you can use your gifts and your talents and your voice then okay, you don't have to hold on so tightly. Some people will be like, oh, I'm going to feel like such a flake if I try this thing and then that doesn't work and then I have to try this other business. Or, the- So what? I mean, that's what successful people are always doing. They're trying different things and just don't be so hard on yourself and let me know what you guys are doing because I want to hear it. So I know this was a little bit different. I hope you guys still enjoyed this episode. If you want to find out more about Julia Cameron and her incredible work, you can find that at juliacameronlive.com. You can find the links there to all her books, explanation of her books, everything she's done. I can't wait to see what she writes next. And I really hope that if you haven't read The Artist's Way yet, that you go out and buy this book and read it the whole way through and do the exercises because I really think you'll get a lot out of it. And I'll be honest, it's tough work. And you're going to want to like put the book down or you're going to want to not keep going. But I really encourage you to do it because learning about yourself and finding out more about how awesome you are and what you have to share with the world, that's worth it. And on the other side of that might be some huge realizations of things you really want to do. And maybe they do scare you, but maybe you decide you're not going to sit this one out. All right. So you're going to be scared to really let yourself want what you want because you might get your heart broken. It might not be perfect right away. But if you anticipate that and you sort of know that, like Matt was saying last week with his 10,000 no's, he's like, it's not for the faint of heart. You know, when you're pursuing something you love, you have to be willing to hear no or to not get it right. And You just keep showing up. And I'm I'm certain that if you put the kind of devotion into this that you put into your friendships or into your parenting or into the work you've already been doing, I'm certain that you have a million awesome things that you guys can be sharing with the world. So I hope you enjoyed these nuggets of wisdom from Julia Cameron. She's so inspiring. And again, if you want to listen to the full conversation, you can let us know through the link in the show notes and we'll go ahead and send you the whole thing and you'll hear her talking to me on the phone for like an hour. All right, now here are some takeaways. Number one, even when you have nothing left to say, you'll be surprised. There's always something else to write down. Number two, let the morning pages take you in an unfamiliar direction. Take authentic risks. Number three, don't let your inner critic bully you. Turn the negative thoughts into positive ones until that negativity has no power over you. Number four, the crazy maker drama is really just an excuse to not take authentic creative risks. Number five, if you can find humor, you can overcome criticism. Number six, play with your ideas. Have an artist date. Number seven, take the small action that fits into the life you've got. Number eight, name someone who is your believing mirror. Imagine what encouragement they would tell you. Number nine, creativity belongs to all of us. Working on it is exercising a birthright. And number 10, we are all creative. With a few simple tools, you can move into your creativity. It's never too late. I just wanted to stop for a second and give some love and give a shout out to my grandma. And her name was Betty, and she was such an amazing person. I've talked about her before. But she's one of those people who... When I think about someone who would be flying my flag and who is always believing in me and encouraging me and telling me, Kathy, there's nothing you can't do. She used to say, my money's on you. There's nothing you can't do. And sometimes I wish I could share things with her because she didn't get to see me starting a podcast or a lot of things. She didn't get to meet my third daughter, whose middle name is also Betty. Um, I want you to take a second and close your eyes. I want you to think about all the people in your life who did make you feel unconditionally loved and who have let you know that they believe in you and just take a second and like watching sort of a, a slideshow, let their faces sort of like show up in your mind. Like, you know, if you're looking at a screensaver and like you just see the images, you know, one after another and take it in. And you might think they're crazy for believing you, but they're not. And they were put in your life for a reason. And maybe, you know, if they're still here, thank them for that. Thank them for that. All right, now let's get into some listener wins. So Peter emailed me and said, Hi, Kathy. Two weeks ago, I quit my job managing a bike shop in Boulder to pursue my dream of being a professional artist. I'm a colorblind photo realist, illustrator, and travel photographer, and I've poured my heart and soul into this new path. I've been a listener since episode one and love what you're doing. Please keep it up. You've helped so many people, including me, realize that their art is worthy and passions justified. Thank you for everything you do. I'm forever indebted to the woman that got me out of the bike shops. Peter, thank you so much for this note. I'm so proud of you. Congratulations. Congratulations on leaving that day job and I can't wait for what delicious things are ahead for you. You guys, Peter's work is just so breathtaking. Go check it out at O'DonnellGallery.com. That's O-D-O-N-N-E-L-L-Gallery.com and give him some love. He actually just did a piece of art which is a tribute to Anthony Bourdain and I thought it was incredible. Go check it out. And please keep sending me over your wins. You can reach out to me on Instagram. I'm at kathy.heller, C-A-T-H-Y dot or post them in our Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook group. You'll find a really sweet supportive community there. I can't wait to share what steps you're making in your own journey and give you guys a shout out. So go ahead and reach out to me. You can also just share with me if you're going through stuff and you want some support. The best place to find me is on Instagram. I check all my DMs, so come find me there. All right, guys. Well, I love you. And uh, you know what I'm doing this week? I'm going to be in Portland speaking at Chris Gillibo's World Domination Summit. If you guys can still get tickets, I don't know if any are still available, but if they are, I'll be doing a keynote speech there. So excited about it. I'll tell you as we move forward how that went. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I love each and every one of you. Really, you've given me the greatest gift of a lifetime. Thank you. I know you have a million things that you could be doing with your time. So thank you for being here. If you love this episode or any of our episodes, please share the show with someone who you think needs to hear this, who needs a reminder that yes, they are enough. Um, leave us a review on iTunes. It helps more than you know. Um, and go ahead and follow me on Instagram and join us on our Facebook group. I love you guys. You're amazing. i leave you with a song of mine and I'll talk to you next week. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.
2: When your car won't start, when you broke your heart, the lights all turn to red. When you pay the cost, when your dream gets lost, spinning circles in your head. Hey, what do you say? Do you call it?